I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I am excited to have Linda Seidler with me as we have a conversation around Matthew 9, 9 through 13, and what the Lord is teaching her. Linda and her husband, Tim, are the founders and lead pastors of the Experience Church in Bridgeport, Ohio, which has grown from a handful of people meeting in a middle school to thousands of people choosing to follow Jesus and allowing God to work in their lives. Linda is also a conference speaker and a writer, and she uses her voice to provide encouragement and inspiration to help people understand the amazing purpose God has placed within them. So welcome, Linda. I am delighted to have you on the podcast today. I am so excited to be with you today, Jody. I've been looking forward to this for so long. Me too. <laughs> well, I gave a pretty big overview, but why don't you tell us just a little bit more about who you are? Oh, okay. Um, well, you, you actually said the ministry part that I am so, re I'm really, really involved in, which is my church. My husband and I founded that church in 2010, and I'd been in ministry for about seven years prior to that and um, in a, a formal ministry. So I've been doing ministry for over 20 years now. And we are moving and shaking here in Ohio, mm -hmm. and we are uh, just reaching people that are incredibly lost, incredibly, incredibly broken, and um, we're doing things that we believe God wants us to do because he's grown our church. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that really has my heart and my passion is leading our church. Uh, I am inc incredibly invested in the women's ministry of our church. I thrive on seeing women go from where they don't believe in themselves to the place where they're walking in confidence, um, maybe starting their own ministry, maybe mm -hmm. writing a little bit, maybe speaking, maybe they're, they're getting that job that they never thought they could get. So whatever that looks like, that's what, that really drives me, Jody. Like that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about. And then um, of course, online, I have an online platform called um, hashtag Linda Seidler daily. And that's just kind of my way of getting my thoughts out into the air for people to um, re receive, be encouraged, be inspired, whatever that looks like. And, um, and then I do a few other things, but maybe that'll come up as we're talking, but those are kind of my three main ingredients. I've got three amazing daughters uh, three adult children. And, um, of course my husband, and we've been married for 31 years. So that I think is a, is yep. something to be excited <laughs> about here. Right. So anyway, so that's a little bit about me and I'm just excited to be here being able to share whatever I can to be able to help whoever I can today. Oh, I love it. And I love your Linda Seidler daily hashtag Linda Seidler daily. Mm -hmm. You are very witty. Uh, and the way you use words is really beautiful. I feel like the oh. Lord has truly given you a gift. I'm like, every once in a while, I'm like, wow, that's really, really good. So oh, you guys can you. all check that out. I'll make sure there's a link, uh, in the show notes so that people can find it pretty easy. So that's great. 
Um, all right. Well, before we dive in, I want to give us a quick reminder about the passage. We are in Matthew chapter nine, and this is the calling of the disciple Matthew. And so let me read that for us. It's Matthew nine, nine through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, there's so much in that passage. Oh, powerful. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is. All of Jesus's words just are powerful. And he just hits right at the heart. And so I know we'll get to that, but... We did this as a Lectio, really asking the Lord to draw us in and highlight a word or a phrase. So as you did that, where, where did he take you? Well, I, where I'd like to start is right at the very beginning Mm -hmm. where Jesus calls someone that no one would expect him to call. And I think the word calling is something different than maybe we had, we even think about today. We, I think many times we think the word calling is that person that looks obvious, that person that has it all together, that person who possibly looks like they have a lot of giftings and talents. And, but I don't, I think Jesus proved something to us in this passage where mm-hmm. when he called Matthew, Matthew was the one who no one would have expected, especially the disciples who were already established disciples. Yeah. Matthew was one who Although he was Jewish, he was hated. Right. And although he could have been in the same category as them, he chose not to be. And his loyalty was to another government. His loyalty was to something that was actually against the Jewish community because he could make money off of them. So all of these things that did not look like we would think it would look. So in that word calling, he called Matthew. He chose Matthew. There's something incredibly interesting to me about that particular word, because again, it's not what anybody else would have thought. Right. I love that you're highlighting that because as a tax collector, he really was seen as a traitor to the Jewish Mm. people because he took their money, paid the tax to the Roman government who the Jews were adamantly felt oppressed by, were against. And then he kept some aside for himself. And most tax collectors were known to be kind of dirty in their Mm -hmm. tax collecting. They could charge whatever they wanted and you couldn't do anything about it. And so, yeah, he was really not likely. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And gosh, doesn't that bring such great comfort to us? Right. Um, It does to me anyway, because I think I was not likely. Right. Uh, And I'm sure we can all, I'll say that. Okay. So I don't want to get too far into that. So Tell me about that next step you took with the Lord. You're, you're kind of processing through this unlikely person being called to follow. Where, what's the next place that you and the Lord go? Um, actually, it was just, you're talking about my calling. 
Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if okay. make it personal. Yeah. So my calling I felt was unlikely because I had been saved at 13 years old. Uh, walked with the Lord all through high school um, up until probably my senior year. I was in the choir. I was in the youth group. You know, I was church camp, all of the stuff. Yeah. All the stuff. Then I hit high school and co- end of high school college. And I go rogue in a mm. direction that is not pretty and it's quite ugly and quite dark. Mm. <clears throat> so then my husband and I get married. This is a little bit of a story, but I'll, I'll tell it just to give your listeners some, some idea of where I've come from. And my husband and I marry and we begin to have children. The calling didn't go away. There was a calling early, but I ignored it and did not pay attention to it. And I went on my merry way. Mm-hmm. It didn't go away. So when we started having children, I knew I should get my children back into church. But what did that look like for me? Mm-hmm. Because I knew what my history was like. And in some fashion, the way that God only can do it, I ended up back in church and ended up committing my life to Jesus again. And I found that there were things coming alive in me that I had not come alive before Jody. It was something mm. that was stirring inside of me. Uh, I, I, I started going to a women's Bible study and started hearing women who love Jesus talk about the way he was impacting their lives, what their calling looked like. I didn't even understand that word calling. I had not been around anyone who talked about calling. So what does that even mean? So I think that's why this word may have mm. stuck out to me so much. How could I be worthy knowing the things that I've done, that where I've been, what my past looks like? How could I really be worthy of serving Jesus in a way that I see the disciples serving him in the Bible, that I see other people in my church serving him because they certainly don't have a past, question mark, you know, uh-huh, right. so I think. <laughs> that you knew of. Right. That I knew of. So I had to really embrace that. I had to learn the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, if anyone is Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. New things have come. I had to learn that that was my old self. This is my new self. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to accept that calling of Jesus because I'm not any less worthy than anyone else who's been called. But it took me a while to realize that, Jody. I, I can honestly say that. But mm-hmm. when I finally embraced it, I got it. And I've never turned back. Mm, I've never love, turned back. I love yeah. that. You, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it really is that last verse for, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Mm. And that feels like really where the Lord was just pulling you into mm-hmm. this passage in a very personal way. Yes. Thank you for being transparent about your story and sharing mm. a little bit about what Jesus did there. And I think you're right. I, you know, we, we look around us and we assume nobody else has the past that we have. Nobody's right. gone through the things that we've gone. They, all the pretty cleaned up people are following Jesus. And that mm-hmm. is not the case. <laughs> and thankfully we're a new creation. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. That's the basis of our church. The experience that I had, the experience my husband had, they weren't pretty experiences. It wasn't textbook Christianity. It was very unlike textbook. And so when we started our church, the, the reason that we call it the experience church, my, my husband, when I started going back, was not saved. Mm. He was not a believer in Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. But when he became a believer, he realized the same thing I did. It was like, oh, Jesus can forgive me of all of this. Well, I want other people to experience his grace, to experience his mercy, to experience his love. And he goes, let's do this thing called the experience. And that's how our traveling ministry started was people to experience Jesus like we had experienced him. That's good. 
And so our church in our church, when you walk in Jody, cause I believe you're going to be here at our church one day coming to visit. And it says the perfect place for imperfect people in mm-hmm. gigantic letters, because we want to just say from the get go, if you're a little bit jacked up, if you're a little bit messed up, you're welcome here. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's funny that you would have chosen this scripture for me to talk about. When I read it, I was like, oh, dang, God, you go, <laughs> because this is right where I live. It's right where I live. Well, that's the story of God right there. I mm-hmm. prayerfully choose these passages and I hear that over and over from my guests. Oh, I can't believe you gave me this passage. And I'm like, yes. no, that was not me then. That means I got out of the way enough for the spirit to lead. And it's also his living and active word that's always working on us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really the passage becomes very personal to your story. And yet so much of God's word is Mm -hmm. applicable Mm -hmm. to your story. And so I'm curious, did you, did you go anywhere else in the passage or did you have a a time of prayer, confession, uh, Thanksgiving? Like where did that kind of lead you as you went deeper into this kind of journey in this particular passage? Mm -hmm. So as you kind of keep going in the passage, the next part where Jesus says, follow me. Mm-hmm. And he got up immediately and followed him. Yeah. That's fascinating, Jody, mm-hmm. that he left everything that was comfortable. When I look at my life, we've left a lot that's been comfortable. Yeah. My husband left a job that was very successful. We had three young children at the time. He left that job on faith wow. for us to start a church. So if we're talking about prayer and reflection, I'm looking at that saying, okay, this part of it is very personal. And it, and I would say it could be personal for everyone. If you're, if God is asking you, if Jesus is saying to you right now, follow me, I want you to go deeper. Mm-hmm. I want you to study a little bit more. I would love for you to learn a little bit more about me so that we can be in communion together, have more of an intimate relationship. Are you willing to get up and follow him? That's a big call. It and is. that's a big request because the rich young ruler, uh, I don't know the reference of that, mm-hmm. yeah. but the, he, will you, will you, will you give up everything That's basically right. to follow me? Yeah. And he said he was not willing. And how many of us are at that place right now that we believe that the cost is greater than what we can give up. But I challenge your listeners today to be reminded that even though it might be a mighty task and you might see that it looks big, God will equip you and prepare you for every step that you need to take with him. Mm -hmm. So there isn't a fear. How Matthew got up from being so secure and walking with these guys that he knew would hate them. That's right. I can't imagine that. That was bravery, Jody. I agree. It was bravery. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is Matthew's initial calling And I think what you're alluding to, or at least what's coming to mind as I'm talking is that we get multiple times, Jesus, it's like, he's continually saying, follow me, follow me, follow Mm. me, because we can get up and we can start and then be like, Ooh, well, you know, I think I'm going to sit down for a little while. Or, um, you know, even the story of your journey of faith Mm -hmm. is that you Mm -hmm. went rogue. And I think Mm -hmm. that is, there's this continual, Will you follow? Will you trust? Will you leave 
behind the things that are comfortable. It's interesting that you bring up the rich young ruler. Um, that is Matthew 19. And we're actually going to do that in like three or four weeks. So I'm so excited. That's also in this, in this series, because it is such a powerful passage Mm -hmm. about leaving behind the things that, and identifying what it is that holds us back from following. Yes. Um, Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think we have to acknowledge that we have an enemy who is tugging at us at all times, even when we're walking as believers, as you and I know. But what I've realized is he, back in when I went rogue, I think he was trying to destroy me. That's where I was. I was on the path of destruction. Very, again, very dark, very bad place. But if he can't destroy us, then I believe he tries to distract us. Right. So when he tries to distract us, when he, when Jesus is saying, follow me, God is saying, let's go a little bit deeper. The distraction is maybe it's questioning, am I able to, Mm -hmm. or am I willing to, right? Because the willingness is where we begin to be changed yeah, and where we begin to really go to that place where God wants the depths of the places that he can take us is only as, as deep as our willingness to go there. Right. Right. Well, and I'm thinking about when you and your husband made this huge leap of faith and walking away from a lot of security to start a church mm-hmm. that did not lead to a thousand people meeting or thousands of people and all the life transformation that didn't happen overnight. Right. That happened day after day after day of getting up, setting your face on God one more time, believing mm-hmm. him again. I would love to know just a little bit about that journey. Were there mm-hmm. moments of like, oh, I think we heard him wrong or discouragement mm. or uh, just also enemy attack? Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. More often than I would like to even admit, but you know, we started out in a middle school. Literally, we were nothing. We, we grew up. Here's what's funny. We grew up in the same town that we started our church. Now, when you do that, Jody, and people know your history and know who you are, right. there's a lot of doubt. Not yeah, only you've got them, some things to overcome. Like, yeah, like God, did you not call us to go to another city? Because I feel like that we would be better. He didn't. Right in the town we're in, we actually started in West Virginia. That's it's a little tri-state region, so we're about 20 minutes from West Virginia. So we're in Ohio now. Our churches, but we actually started in West Virginia. <clears throat> so when we started, we had. I think we had about 40 people that came and we were blown away that 40 people would come to church. Yeah. But in that there were, there were a lot of transitions and changes of location and things like that, that were very unexpected at times. So when we were at the middle school, we thought we would be there for a longer period of time. And we were asked quickly to leave with no location. At this point, we're up to about a hundred people. And so to walk in faith with in a place where you don't know where you're going to go next, but you have a hundred people with you and there's a great leap of faith in those situations. But because I know God is pleased by our faith, we kept faithful. And every time that we had to make a location change or something happened with our teams or people that we had hired, he always proved himself faithful back. Mm-hmm. And so I can honestly say in any of the times where we were moving or we were unsure, I believe it was because of our faith that he took us to the next location, to the next place. Yeah. There, was there fear? Absolutely. We walked in fear a lot. 
Um, again, my husband had given up everything. I was not working at the time. I have my degree in education. I'm an educator, but I chose to stay home with our kids while they were in school in early years. And so we only had one income. And so it was a little frightening, yeah. but again, I guess I would say, you know, to your listeners that walking in fear does not mean that you're not walking. And I would say, if you're still fearful, mm. as long as you're faithful, you can still walk in fear. Yeah. Like don't let the fear stop you. Let the faith be greater than the fear right. because that's what God's pleased by is our faith. Mm. And there's something about that. It's, it's, it's very supernatural. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know how it works. But all I know is that every time we've done it, it has worked through him. Yeah. He's, he's been the supernatural, like almost like the Indiana Jones, where in the movie, he throws the rocks out <laughs> and he didn't see the, the walkway mm. before it looked like just a cliff. Right. I, I feel like our faith is that throwing those pebbles out. We take the step, the walkway is there because God provides it. Right. We don't see it. We don't understand why we're faithful, but we know that God promises things to us. Mm. And so that's that's where we, that's where our faith came in. And that's kind of where we went. I hope that's answering your question. I love that. Oh yes. And I love that illustration, <laughs> the Indiana Jones. I, it's such a yeah. great, you know, cause even you feel, I like when I'm watching that scene, cause it just like came right back into my mind. So vividly, yeah. I feel the fear for him. I'm like, Oh my yes. gosh, she's going to fall. And he doesn't. And, and I think you're right. That is, we take these scary, shaky steps forward yeah. And when we have our eyes on him, when we are walking mm -hmm. in faith, we can trust that he's got us, which is, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like so much of scripture is about trust and not fearing, um, mm -hmm. like over and over and over again, do not fear, do not fear. I've been mm -hmm. spending a lot of time in the Psalms and I feel like over and over and over again, it's, it just goes back to this core. Do you trust me? Mm. Will you trust me? And, um, and maybe that's just where I am in my own life right now, but I just feel like that's one of the core messages of, you know, even all of this with Jesus, you know, he's looking at the Pharisees who are totally misjudging what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, gosh, you guys just don't get it. I'm not here for the healthy. And it's almost like you should put that in air quotes because yeah. the Pharisees are actually not healthy. They think they're healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's the sick. It's the people who are actually willing to have him come in. Yeah. We're all sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can I re revisit trust for just one yeah. second? Because I love that you said that trust. There are not a lot of people in the world we can really truly trust. That's good. I, I know my circle is very small, mm -hmm. not because I don't like people, not because I don't want to be around people or, or we're in the people business. When you're in church, you're in the people yeah. business. But trust is a different thing. So through our lives, you know, when we're little babies, we trust our parents. Mm -hmm. As we grow up a little bit, maybe the trust is gone because we've had a situation in our lives that where we couldn't trust our parent. Right. And then we go a little bit farther. We're in middle school and our boyfriend breaks our heart. Then we get a little farther and we had the job, but we got fired because of whatever. So our trust in people and things really begins to diminish over our experiences and what we've had going on in our lives. And I think when we say we have to trust God, that's a foreign concept to many people. If I'm, if I can't trust people, how can I trust a God? I can't see. It's good. How do I trust this person of Jesus who says, you can treat, trust me. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm always going to be around. 
I'm, I'm, I was, I am, and I will always be. What does that mean? It's so esoterical to so many people. Mm-hmm. And so that concept of trust has to be, again, learned through faith and through, again, scriptures and basics, you know, the basic foundations. But that's an interesting thing that you said, you have to trust God, because so many times we don't even trust the people that are closest to us. How do we trust God yeah. as we're moving forward? Yeah. So that that's a powerful statement. Mm. And that's I think powerful. as you were saying that, the other thing I think I would add to that is we grow in our trust as we can hear the stories of other people and what God has done in their life, which goes mm. right back to why you wanted to name the church experience. Yes. We want you to experience the freedom that we have found, the mm. restoration. I mean, and so to me, like when you hear the testimony of a believer and you see what God is doing in their lives, it's no mistake like you're that you planted the church in the community that you grew up in mm-hmm. because people knew you and they could see the yeah. transformation. Yeah, it might have mm-hmm. felt easier on the surface to go somewhere new, but the deep work he wanted to do was with the people that already probably knew you. Or that was a start anyway. Um, That's so good, Jody. I'd never thought of it like that. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, for me, I just think, yeah, trust is built on the experience and yeah, that is, it's built on the head knowledge, but it's also built on just, and even our past experience knowing, gosh, you were, you know what? You're right. You have never failed me, God. Yeah. All right. I trust you won't fail me again. It may not look like what I think it's supposed to look like, or even what I want it to look like, but you are not going to let go of me. You are not going to fail me. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, that's good stuff. Okay. I've got a question for you. I'm going to do a little bit of a transition. Mm -hmm. We've talked a little bit about your church Mm -hmm. and I know your job is Mm -hmm. pastoring and, and shepherding the church and caring for the people of God. So in a lot of ways, one of your job roles is to be close to Jesus and to spend time with Jesus. And yet I also know from my own experience of leading in a very demanding way as a pastor in a church that you have to be so intentional to set aside that time with the Lord, or it will get taken away mm-hmm. very quickly. And so I'm curious for you in your life, what are some rhythms that you have found that help you kind of hold back that space and create space for God? And even just some things that are life-giving in your relationship with the Lord. Uh, that's a great question because I've been through many facets through ministry when I first got excited, really uh, excited again about Jesus and began to pursue him with all of my heart, soul, and mind, I was in Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. I would get up in the morning, 5 a.m., Bible study, couldn't get enough of just writing, researching, paper after paper, you know, just so much of the stuff. I'm not like that now. I've transitioned into something different. My relationship with him has not changed. It's not diminished because of the, it looks different, but my preparation is different. The way I did it, how many years ago, I, I needed to be that person. Mm-hmm. I needed to dive in. Now my diving in is diving in with him to help me to be all that I can be for him. Yeah. So um, I, I can't say that I have a regular routine. I just don't. I'll, I'll just be sur- super honest. I don't have a a, a real routine with him. I don't, I don't have a schedule during my day of when I spend time with him. I do get up before anyone in my house gets up. I love that time alone because once my day starts going, I'm worst at nights. Like 
I'm not even sure if I'm praying at night to God, right? Because I'm like, I'm exhausted. But in the mornings, it's a different, it's, it's different communion with him, mm. with God mm-hmm. and my walk with Jesus. But now my satisfaction is more in my relationship with him as he and I are journeying, journeying together to be able to reach people. Yeah. Well, I think what you're describing to me very much sounds mm. like a relationship. And it sounds like there's different, there's different seasons and phases. Like even, you know, when you think about like a a dating relationship, when you're dating someone, you're just, who are you and how do I get to know you and tell me all the Mm. things about you. And then as you move into kind of this more established, deeper space, Mm -hmm. um, you still obviously have to be intentional. You can still mm-hmm. neglect that relationship, but it's a little different. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I do appreciate what you just said. I think that's true. And that's one of the reasons why I love to ask that question because we are all different. We all spend time with Jesus different and there is no right mm-hmm. or completely right or completely wrong way. Make yes. time for him where you can, when you can keep him as the highest priority in your life, it will work itself out. <laughs> yes. Yes. And amen. That's good stuff. I love that. Well, gosh, I am so sad because (laughs) our time together is over. It's just happened so fast out. Hey, Linda, before I let you go, tell me where we can find you on every platform on Facebook, on Instagram. I don't do as much Twitter, but I am on there. It's Linda L I N D A Seidler S E I D L E R on every platform. Mm -hmm. And then if you, then if you hashtag Linda Seidler daily, you can see all of the little inspirational posts that I put up. Perfect. I'll put all of that in the show notes. All right. Well, um, I also just want to thank you all for joining us on so much more. We do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us. And this is just one more way that we are creating space to listen. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.